The D&D game huh? has frequently dabbled in time travel, both as story hook and as mechanical device. So join us today as we make ripples in the concept of time travel and provide a few tools to help guide your characters in and out of time like the Legends of Tomorrow. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, today's topic, obviously, is time travel. Um, and let's be honest, this is going to be a fun one. I hope if you're in the audience and you've experienced uh, either as a player or as a GM a game of time travel, please share your experiences, what went right, what went wrong, all that stuff. It's really, really awesome. Uh, so, with that, you don't really have to go too far to, uh, or you don't really have to look too hard to come across a story involving time travel. Uh, you know, we find the plot devices in many, many different genres. Books, films, comics. Although science fiction leans the heaviest into time challenge, uh, time travel, uh, kill a robot, set back in time, kill the mother of a dangerous revolutionary is a very, very well-known example. Where's that, Connor? And, and I think that uh, it, it's grown, grown even more lately, right? With the the Marvel Cinematic Universe really leaning heavily into it. Oh yeah. Um, I don't think Doctor it, Who always did. Do, yeah, Doctor Who did it for a long. <laughs> was always kind of it. That's his whole shtick, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but in, in, in a way, uh, he can't travel to specific areas that he wants to. It's always a specific moment in time that he can go to. That that's still time travel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. but that's a good point so there's a lot of different things to kind of hook and talk about today um we have a few overview we have some notes but i think we're going to talk uh, if we can about most of our personal experiences as we've uh kind of gone through it um but we do want to touch on some key points specifically there is a problem with time travel yeah <laughs> fundamentally time travel already exists in D. it's true really? i didn't know that yeah. Uh, time passes in the game. The DM controls time flow to manage the story, speeding it up and slowing it down. But time travel is more than watching sandfall through an hourglass. Yep. yep. Time travel in the fantastical sense is the ability to travel from one point in time to another, either forward or backwards without changing physical location. For a scientist out there, we aren't talking real physics, so uh, definitely leave that to the dungeon's door. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so the first thing I want to talk about, we mentioned that D and D already uh, time uh, time travel kind of already exists in in D and D. And I do want to give a huge shout out to Gabe from Inner Party Conflict. Um, he did say if you don't talk about the Sphinx, we're going to have a problem. Uh, so if you're not following along in the Monster Manual, the Sphinx cla the Sphinx monsters themselves actually do have time travel. Specifically, they have layer actions that allow them to shift and move people ten to ten, uh, any range up to ten years in the future or the past. Yep. Or uh, just right out the gate. So this is already a trope that we can lean into heavily with something like this, right? Want me to do it so, again? So. <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> they keep sending you back in time every time you get the riddle wrong, hoping eventually you'll get it right. <laughs> so, so is that to say that if you were an adventurer for two years, and in that two years you've gotten to, like, level ten, 
Yep. And they drop you back 10 years. Does that mean that you lose everything you've learned? That's a damn good question. And that's some of the things we're going to talk about. I would say no, but that's uh, another topic unto itself. But, well, that's <laughs> part of this topic. That's the things we want to talk about. So that that um, stems into how you want to run the time uh, travel, right? No, I think about the episode of Futurama where Fred discovered he's his own grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's delve into uh, that's a, that's a funny episode. The, the core of the, 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 the yeah. time traveling stories. Let's be honest, no science, as Ian said. Keep that shit at the door. Um, You'll hurt yourself. Yeah, it's, it's, it'll kill your brain. But <laughs> well, Einstein's wanna... theory of relativity, shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I want to touch on is uh, branching timelines and fixed points. So one way to think about time is to imagine it as kind of a braided line with no beginning and no end. The braids are all the objects in reality kind of woven together to form a line. Um, now the line does represent all the moments in time, uh, or the re- represent all the moments in time. Though it's it is worth noting that some worlds treat time more like a wheel where ages return as the wheel turns. The wheel, bum, 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 the the wheel of time, right? Um, and it's yep. not. And honestly, uh, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time actually took that inspiration from Mendu legend and lore. So he's not the first person to think about it, but no. it's definitely um, fun. So. Though this is not the approach we will be discussing, um, it is worth noting that um, the sequence of events on the timeline, all moments occur simultaneously. People perceive time flowing in a single direction, but past and future are relative to one's position on the timeline. And I think that's going to become very uh, key on some of these things we're going to talk about here in a second. It's more like a big bowl of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. <laughs> Loki and the Avengers time heist is a great starting point for building out your story in adventures to involve time travel. They handle the explanation of branching timelines and design the uh, multi-universal concept. Each decision a person or creature makes creates new branches, meaning it's likely infinite timelines or possibilities exist. This mixes very well with the direction that the Wizards of the Coast has been going with with the multiverse too. <laughs> yeah, which I think is uh, uh, really important to touch on. So, um... Before we move on, it this is something that's really interesting because this is probably the most <clears throat> um, traditional sense of time time travel, right? What? One of the simplest to, to go with, at least. Yes, and <laughs> because of the, for instance, the branching, it makes it easy to explain kind of why something may or may not change when they jump in the past, make a change, and jump to the future. That's one of the easiest ways to explain that away, right? There's a few different examples. Um, uh, Brandon, do you want to delve into this a little more? Yeah, as a DM, it's highly recommended to uh, create a large timeline with what you determine are fixed points in time. Uh, these events unfold no matter what changes happen. This ensures you have a bit of control over the lore of the world and events that happen. I, I like that idea. Uh, mm-hmm. A great example would be a major war between factions. The war is a fixed point. It will happen. But the characters making changes in time may alter who wins and how. So be flexible when creating fixed points. Absolutely. You know, more importantly, the the timeline provides interesting moments where the characters themselves can set an an adventure, right? So if you have several points like a great cataclysm or a war of the realms, you can use these to ask your players where they want to play. Which is interesting, especially if they can jump back and forth between time, allowing them to experience those huge world-defining moments firsthand, which is pretty interesting, especially if you're a dungeon master 
that loves to build lore that nobody gets to experience. Right? Uh, I like that idea. Now I'm, now I'm thinking about all the various anime I watched that involve time travel, and it's making my brain hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the point on the timeline that the group chooses to explore becomes the present, and everything that happens in the game adds definition to that period and perhaps future times. Yeah. So uh, there's a good question here in chat coming up from uh, our buddy uh, Andrew. It? it says, theoretically, I gotta get this thing out of the way. Theoretically, if you have a disease and a sphinx ages you older does the disease ravage your body for the 10 years of damage this is interesting because i think that that depends on how the time travel is represented and what and what the dm wants to do to you yeah i mean let's so there's a couple there's a couple different ways we can take this right and if you really want to be technical from your perspective did you stand there 10 years doing nothing unmoving That's the thing. Is your character moving through time, or are you aging, or is the world revolving around you? So I think the answer to that would be depending on that situation. Stepping through a portal that sends you to the future is not aging your body. That would be jacked up. Oh my god. From from that specific point. Uh, You're all fighting a Sphinx, right? So party of five. And you get get flung 10 years in the future. And it's not (laughs) you... The ages, you yourself are being moved along that timeline, and you're mm-hmm. popped right there. In an instant, you're sitting there fighting a sphinx with your friends, it looks at you, does that, and you, boom, you're in the exact same spot, and you look down, and you see all four of your friends' skeletons just sitting there. Oh, you're like, God. oh, shit, they needed me! <laughs> that sucks. Um, so, in, in the, the ex- <laughs> you know, touching about uh, branching timelines and fixed points... I really think that this is fun because as a dungeon master, if I create a fixed point in time, I'm a big Final Fantasy XIV fan, so let's talk about the the cataclysm that um, ravages the the world, you know, the beginning of A Realm Reborn, a Bahamut is freed and destroys. What if in that story, the original story, he was main, that the characters go back and he's breaking free, but their actions find a way to keep him imprisoned, right? But it's not a spoiler alert. It's literally the beginning of a game <laughs> that's that? 10 years old, Alicia. <laughs> um, and so if the players go back to that fixed point, the fixed point doesn't necessarily he gets free. It's actions <laughs> led up to him starting to break free, right? And so what happens, what now is going to unfold that, let's say, let's say he does break free. What if the actions the players take end up being the exact reason it breaks free? So the characters become self-fulfilled prophecies, right? (laughs) You don't like in Red vs. Blue where uh, uh, What's-His-Face finds out he's responsible for everything? Yes! Church. Church, Church, yeah. Where he's going uh, back and forth. But that's what I'm talking about. These are the things you can play with within your own fixed points. (laughs) Um, Or you can let the players really change them, which is uh, a lot of fun, right? Uh... And, and it's not even. Oh, and now we're not even talking about time bubbles. Because I remember with, in uh, Stargate where they basically trapped some uh, the replicator, their nanotech race by trapping them in a time bubble, saying we can't deal with them in another way. But then even though time was slowed down in that bubble, they eventually got to the, the device that slowed down time. They took control of it and then stud it up to evolve themselves a higher. <laughs> <sighs> That's awesome. I love that. Carla. Um, I thought your name was Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> name overwritten. You may call me Sheila. <laughs> oh, I'll do that. And there's great sources out there you can use for inspiration, right? But I do like the idea of fixed points being influenced yeah. by the actions of the characters. 
Um, to the but you want to make sure that it's not one of those things where no matter what they do, nothing changes. But you want to change the way the world unfolds and reacts to the changes they're trying to implement, right? Uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, one of my favorites. Uh, shit, we were trying to stop it from getting free, and we done messed up that guy that could do it. Uh, all right, so uh, I want to dig into this little uh, to the next step of this, which is uh, causality and paradoxes. Uh, yeah. Ian, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, events have causes. One event causes us a second, which causes us third, and so forth, building on a chain of events. Which is commonly referred to as the butterfly effect. Mm. All dependent events transform, perhaps disappearing altogether. At best, this actively alters the future. At worst, it creates a paradox that breaks the timeline. Yes, I love paradox. We're going to talk about that. Right, Brandon? For example, Strahd von Zarovich, everyone's favorite vampire. And he's also Toril's first vampire. After killing his brother, the city was sucked into a demiplane. But if a clever character delves into Strahd's past and convinces him to pursue a life of peace, then he never becomes the first, which means there are probably no vampires in the world now. If so, why did the character go back in time? If there are no vampires, when they choose, when they chose, choose, when they chose to go back in time. Fixed points can help reduce events such as these from happening, or at the very least help you maintain control of that result. Now the simplest Ah. way to go here is we establish already forking timelines. Yeah, and and I think that 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 is one of the best ways to do it. And there's a um, there's a lot of different shows that do that. Obviously, the big one right now is you know uh, Loki really talked a lot about you know you got the prime timeline and then it starts branching because uh, uh, people be fiddling with shit, (laughs) and so now you get variants of these different characters. And I like the idea of a character returning to their time, but maybe everyone being just slightly different uh, yep. variants of themselves. <laughs> um, and how do you know you get back to the exact same branch you were on? You know what I mean? Because that becomes a whole new thing. So now you jump back, you take care of uh, Z- uh, uh, Strahd because he's doing some shit. You wipe him off the planet. You jump back. Now there's no... Uh, vampires, but there's also no elves, and there's no dwarves, and there's just humans everywhere. Um, because of one change you made, okay, there's no vampires, that was your goal, you succeeded, but are you in the right timeline, or is everything that's different because of the decisions you made? You know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's a real mindfuck, to be honest, when it comes to time travel. Um, which does expect, go ahead. Like, I remember I was watching a video which showcased the, I think it's the French fantasy show, Black Fu, which you can watch on Netflix. That's a good show. But the, basically, the, the main villain does a lot of really terrible stuff. Oh, yeah. But then he found out why. Basically, in, in the past, his family was killed, so he's trying to gain power. Mm-hmm. And he basically justifies it by saying, everything I do won't matter, because once I go back in time and save my f- family, none of this will happen anyway. <laughs> so he's okay being a douche. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's kind of how Cable is in the, uh, the Deadpool flick, right? Um, his family was, you know, demolished and he goes back and he's trying to kill a kid. He's trying to take out a bad kid because he's going to become a bad person. Even if if you haven't seen it, uh, uh, the new South Park post COVID, the movie that just came out on the Paramount Plus, it's, it's a time travel story. (laughs) Of course it is. Back in the day before it. Um, all right, so let's move into the next thing. Uh, we want to talk about alternate timelines, Uh-oh. you know, 
As touched on before, you can use branching timelines in a more controlled manner to help mitigate the risks of the campaign world, uh, you know, changing as a result of time travel. So rather than creating fixed points, when the characters jump to one point on the timeline to another, they create forks in the road, right? Which yep. we talked about with branching. With one branch extending into the future as it always has, the other on which the characters find themselves goes a different direction. This is very uh, um, uh, a changeable future, right? A character could change Strahd in a previous example without fear of creating a paradox. The character would not be preventing Strahd from becoming a vampire on their timeline, but would create an alternate reality starting at the point at which his change was made. My favorite example of this is Trunks in Dragon Ball Z. He goes back in time to stop the androids that are attacking and demolishing the entire planet, and he helps all the Z fighters get stronger, they kick some ass, he goes to the future, and they're still there. (laughs) Because it created a, a uh, alternate timeline or, uh, you know, a, a variation of the branch, right? What, what I do love about that is the drastic difference between uh, adult trunks from that timeline and the kid trunks where Vegeta's still alive yeah. because he raised him. He's got more of an attitude than the other one does. Yeah, he's a spoiled brat. He's to be slapped him more than once. Being raised by Which Gohan pretty... versus being raised by Vegeta. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's uh, exactly what... Uh, nature versus nature. Uh, Vegeta does. If you hit me, I'll take you to the park. <laughs> he smacked... You didn't say you were going to hit back! I didn't say I wouldn't! <laughs> <laughs> so whether it is possible for characters to return to their original timeline is really up to you as the GM. It might be that whenever a character travels through time, they create a new timeline that moves in parallel with their own. So this is really cool because now... The difference between branching is it's kind of always happening. With alternative timelines in branching, yep. it only happens because of what the characters did. Yep. So now you got them running in, uh, in in parallel, in tandem, which is really cool because that creates its own different thing. You know, And in such case, any return to the present places the character on alternative timelines present. So, on the other hand, the characters could you know return along the fork path and move back to their usual present... They would then be in the world unchanged by their actions in the past. So all that work they just did is nothing. Yeah, nothing. But they made it better for somebody else. That counts for okay. We uh, we got rid of Strahd, so let's all pack up our stuff and head on over to this reality. Oh, but Daddy, I'm half vampire. You shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um. So has anybody played Chrono Trigger or Chrono Cross or um? Oh, uh, another Eden. I was trying. Uh, those are good examples. Yeah, so if you're looking for really good examples of time travel, they do it really, really well. Culture has so many endings. Oh my gosh, it is crazy. Um, so uh, there, here's an interesting uh, read. Prince of Persia, didn't they do that? Yeah, yeah, Prince of Persia too. So uh, Dulcinea says there is a story. Uh, there was a story my dad read where it was impossible to return to the original timeline, but someone once tried and it instantly cra- uh, crashed with the parallel alternates. Where they were trying the same thing. So they basically just smashed two realities together. That is crazy, and I love uh, it. <laughs> um, this, was this a good idea for a topic? Because my head really fucking hurts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting there. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think we're hitting keepers too. Chronic, chronic trigger. Because <laughs> he keeps asking a lot of questions. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's okay. We want that, right? So yes. uh, yeah. wait, let's actually answer one here. So what can you do about a party in the present that is affected by the other forces changing time around them? Ooh. See, that's hard because they wouldn't know. Yep. Right? 
I think that in order to make something like that work, they have to have a reason that their uh, visions would or their world would be different around them. I would say that that would be a good thing to start off as like dreams that as they get stronger, they're less <laughs> impacted by it. Yep. So you could do uh, you could do something. Uh, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII right now, and so uh, it's a very big story on imposter syndrome, where throughout the entire game, Cloud is having these little bit of flashbacks. But the longer the story progresses, the stronger those flashbacks become. And you could do something like that, where they as they get stronger, they start to realize I'm having two memories of these different things, but I don't actually know who or where this person is. And so you could feed it to them that way. I think. You want to read that one from Dalsinia? Yeah. Dalsinia's coming. Is the whole idea of time traveling means you can never go home, which is kind of terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely, because it'll all be changed. Uh, um, all right, so. Yeah. Uh, now, now remember, remember the RPG Feng Shui, which revolves around time travel and jumping back and forth between junctures in time. Yep. And they even make a point saying if you go back in time or, or the timeline has changed in some way to perform, you may change too and not even realize it. Unless you go to the netherworld, which you then become unstuck in time and become a constant. Yeah, and I think that this is interesting, too, because... Because <laughs> then you be, cause you then say the same, but then become aware of the changes around you. Yeah, and the characters may not know these changes, but part of the fun is the players will. Yep. And I think this is a really great example to let the characters cha- players change their characters a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? So they go back in time, they make a change... <laughs> And instead of being a halfling, the the character's mom got a little extra drunk one day, and now he's a Goliath. I think little changes like that. Same character, <laughs> same personality, different race. But would you be the same character? <laughs> well, that's the thing. You would have to, you could expand upon that. I would say you could leave him however you want, but you can make little changes and get away with those uh, in story, too. Oh, great. Now, now I'm picturing you go back to the ultimate timeline where you actually see you instead of a Goliath. Is that me? that be stronger than me? I hate me! I'm gonna kill me! Fucking kill me! <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, so uh, we're running out of time, so let's move on here, right, Brandon? Yeah, yeah. On to uh, moving in time. Yeah, in time or through time. Whatever. My Knowing the fucking risks and complications <laughs> of time travel is just one step. How the characters travel through time is another. This can really set up the core of the story in a fun and interesting way. For example, a campaign where a powerful god has tasked you with correcting a disturbance that that may lead... Huh? Or a sphinx. Or a sphinx. Yeah, a disturbance that may lead to the end of the god. He just doesn't want to be around anymore. Uh, Rules might keep them from interfering directly, thus sending the characters... Or in a world full of powerful wizards experimenting with magic. It's like, boink, oops. <laughs> so this is really cool. So um, it talks about a god whose end is coming due to a, an event. And he, because the gods t- tend to not be able to, to directly influence things, to, yep. uh, they got to have champions. They're sending you back so that it'll continue to live. I think this is a great tool to tie into a a, a, a paladin or a cleric or some character who's really heavily into um, their either patron or their, their deity that they worship. You know what I mean? So that's a really way to get that uh, involved. And I think it's exciting to know going into it that if you fail, the deity that's granting your power is going to be gone. So now there's yep. a fear that you'll lose everything you have. That's probably less true in 5e with a paladin yep. than a warlock or a cleric, but you get my gist. <laughs> yep. um, so 
It's not uncommon for magic to go awry, as, as Brandon mentioned. So during a battle with a dark wizard, the characters could interrupt the ritual and the side effects toss them into a different point in time. Now their goal is just to get home without any real understanding of how they got to where they're at in the first place. Uh, two examples uh, uh, will play out entirely different. And honestly, it's a great way to experiment with new worlds and mechanics in games, I think, which is a lot of fun. We are doing plane shifters right now on our YouTube channel. Um, and that is an exact e- e- event that happened. You didn't travel through time, but you ended up in a different plane of existence. Yep. Um, and so you can experiment <laughs> with those different universes. And the more murder hobo hobo they are, the harder it is to get home. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Despite all the problems that time travel can cause, it can be a powerful storytelling device. One you have to be careful with, though, and it opens your campaigns in ways that you never imagined. With the push of the multiverse and access to new planes, the type of stories and adventures will be endless. Now, one question we kept on having asked is, how can I handle this in my game? And I think there's quite a few ways you can do it that has been handled by in ways by multiple properties. Like As we established, you can just simply create a... A multiverse, where no matter what they do in the past, it creates a new timeline that forks off, so you can either shift into that timeline or just keep them on their old one. Mm-hmm. You can just simply say, okay, guys, you can have time travel, but you can only go forward, and then bounce back to the present. Not do the past, that's too much. Too I'm much like. to try to do, yeah. And I've also seen like uh, stuff where anything you, you guys do is already part of the timeline anyway, so you, like, you don't screw things up. <laughs> That's interesting because part of time is you've already time traveled, which comes back to how paradoxes are created, right? Yes. Oh, my God. What? Instead of a rust monster, an age monster. Every time it hits you, you age a certain number of years. Oh, jeez. Even Andrew, worse, you lose 1d4 levels. I do think there are some creatures that do that, actually. Mm. Well, the, we just talked about one. Uh, right? the, the, the Sphinx can just age you. Well, ghoul. well there's a ghoul, too, I think, right? Yeah. There was one creature I remember seeing on TikTok. I can't remember what it's called. And... But if it kills you, you just get erased from time, period. Like, you yep. never existed. Actually, the thought I was going to make, too, too, is I've also seen, like, uh, some probably say, no matter how you try to change time, try time just to stay the same and try to force it back to normal anyway. Yeah. Um. In in Wheel of Time, they have a, yep. a power called Balefire. Yeah. And not only does it destroy something, it erases it from the pattern, which then forces everything around it to reweave itself. Which disrupts anything related to it. And the more powerful the blast, the further Oops. back in time you are racing. Yep. So, and the bigger effect it has. So, there are lots of ways we can kind of, you know, play around with that. I would say if you're going to do time travel, start small. Days, weeks, you know. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Now to I feel start bad. In the, why? <laughs> because I have a homebrew campaign. And yes. that is the entire purpose of it. It is a time travel campaign. You want to talk about it a little bit before we move on? I will. It'll, I'll make it sweet Maybe and simple. Maybe some of the challenges. And hopefully it won't things that go wrong. Give too much right. of a spoiler for people who want to play it on Start Playing, which we'll eventually get on there. <gasps> you start off uh, going through this town. And you they're like, hey, we need you to go up here to get this this super awesome liquor, this mead called Bourbon Toe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, as you go up there, you enter this small town. And the players realize, oh, wait, we're not in the same time anymore. We have been sent back in time. Like five hundred years, because this uh this um this elven child who has this extreme power says we need your help. I'm putting this town in a time loop until my proper champions come. That's you guys. You guys come. You destroy the necromancer. You free them, and they're like, yes, we did it. And then as you come back to your timeline, you overshoot it by about a thousand years, and um, it turns out that necromancer had been re-necromanced by a different necromancer. <laughs> 
and he found the wish spell, made himself immortal, and he has devastated the entire planet of, or the entire world of Faerun, and he's now trying to open a portal to a new world to conquer that one. And Jerry has a job to stop it and get back to your original time. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Bourbon Toe strikes again. Um, Alright, so overall, there's a lot you can do. There's going to be risks, as Ian has pointed out yep. over and over. <laughs> um, and- but... Like, there is a reason why in a lot of RPGs where it's a possibility, time travels a very chemically banned power. Yes. And it's hard to keep everything straight, too. Yeah. And in the, in the extreme examples, okay, I have the power to go back in time. I go back in, back in time 18 seconds in the middle of our combat. That now, makes a difference. Now, imagine you do like, great, now I don't even remember where everything was, HP-wise and stat-wise, 58, 16 seconds oh, ago. Oh, no. Now there's one more guy in MX. <laughs> Jesus, that sucks. Yeah. Very com- com- complicated. But anyways... I didn't know uh, that, that Weeping Angels uh, erase people from history. I they, had, they, well, they, they actually send them, them backwards in time. They send them backwards? Uh, according to Robin Hood, Hoodfellow, they uh, erase them from history. That'd be interesting to know. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a huge Whovian, but... I'm I, sorry, a what? Whovian. Uh, uh, Dr. Who. Of Doctor Who. I'm going to catch uh, up in the last season. Anyway. <laughs> anyways, so, um, that'll do it for our main topic today. Um, definitely, if you're interested in tra- playing something like this, I've played in Brandon's uh, uh, homebrew campaign with the time travel, and it's a lot of fun. So make sure to go visit him. The link is in the uh, comments there for uh, uh, signing up for one of his uh, games. So uh, we have uh, an oh, announcement to make. We gotta make uh, this happen. I'm super, super excited. Please, um, our friends over at One Shot Onslaught, and specifically the Majestic Goose Network have launched a Kickstarter for GooseCon. GooseCon... (laughs) GooseCon 2022 will be the first of new, hopefully annual, tabletop gaming convention. I haven't been to a con in a really long time. I'm joining really fucking hard. Uh, September 23rd to 25th at the Duke Energy Convention Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Going to the Duke. (laughs) There will be live podcast shows panels, a massive open game library, vendors' alleys, and oh, so much more. There's nothing better than an annual tabletop. (laughs) I can't fucking do it. (laughs) The Majestic Goose is a tabletop Uh. RPG podcast network with over dozens of shows. We've been on Lore and Poor. I've been on One Shot Onslaught. Oh my god, that was so much fun. You guys should go watch. You remember it. You, I do, you should go <laughs> check out the episode that uh, I was on for One Shot Onslaught. It's amazing. I love the video Alicia made of you. You were just sitting there shirtless in your bed going, uh. <laughs> and then you look at it. You're recording. It's like, oh, did you have a good time? It's like, oh, yeah, it was great. And we talked about, oh, giants are wiping their assholes with people. <laughs> Anyways, it was a total blast. Uh, please help it get funded. Um, should it get Ooh. funded and, and get on? Uh, we're, we've become sponsors and backers and we want this to happen because we plan to all go together as well. We'll be doing hopefully a show from there, running some games from anybody that's interested and just hanging out. So please consider checking out, uh, backing, uh, GooseCon at rebrand.ly slash GooseCon. Um, check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and they pick Cincinnati, Ohio that I found out is literally at the bottom of the biggest (laughs) state ever <laughs> <laughs> so please come check it out and uh back it and uh maybe we'll get to see you get some pictures hang out talk nerd i'm loving it and now what you've all been waiting for our unearth tips and tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and dms 
Our character cast today is Uta Tatum. <laughs> that <Maybe>. sounds dirty. <laughs> a female half-orc. <laughs> Uta Tatum. She is scrawny and has patch a patchy silver stipple. She wears a breastplate, a symbol of magic around her neck, and a great sword on her back. She has a pronounced hunchback and a broken <laughs> tusk. Her hair is wavy and silver. Her violet eyes are desperate and heavily dilated. She has the appearance of somebody under the heavy influence of drugs. <laughs> so the opposite of Channing Tatum. <laughs> Personality. Uh, she has always had a great fascination with wizards and spellcaster culture. Her eyes are always darting around, alert. And responsive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, her history is she was born in the East. Her family was never really financially stable. I mean, it's a half word. Uh, before the accident, she was one of the most outspoken uh, against arcane magics. She was mortally wounded and saved by a kind and fast-acting sorcerer. Recently, a tribe of gnolls attacked her village in all able bodies who could hold a blade, were quickly armed and sent to wall the walls. Utah fought at the side of some of the region's greatest heroes, but was never overshadowed. Befriending an apprentice wizard, she began delving into a bit of magic they use. While not extremely powerful, being able to summon her blade and release bolts of fire, eh, it was good enough. She helps use her skill to defend other small villages and hobbles with her blade and spell. She wishes to inspire others, much like that spellcaster did for her. So I'm either picturing a arcane knight or uh, what's or a, a low level blade singer. I was thinking eldritch knight too. Um, I could see a, a see a point for blade singer as well, though. Yep. Oh, she uh, seems she sounds fun to or play. Or warlock. There's so <laughs> many warlock concerns. Warlock blade too. Yeah. What's that? I have so many concerns. As well, you should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about this character overall? Uh, she sounds like she'd be fun to play. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, I like the idea that she's like big hunchbacky. She's totally inspired by Hunchback in Notre Dame, just kind of dragging her blade around behind her with firebolts shooting out of her hand, and it's just like puffs of smoke, <laughs> chucking her blade at you and swinging end over end. Uh, I really like it that she wants to be somebody that inspires others, especially with somebody that you know isn't exactly. Um, Labeled as beauty, beautiful. So, uh, all right, that'll do it for <laughs> Utah Tatum. Yeah, <laughs> our monster variant of the podcast is the Crocolis. Are you shitting me? Which was by far one of the shortest entries you've done for the monster in a while. <laughs> I feel attacked. That is a short monster. Holy shit! <laughs> and somebody who makes the cards <laughs> and has to find, forgot how to format them so that they could be a complete. Uh, on each card. I won. <laughs> All right, so the Crocolisk uh, starts with the origin stat block of the Minotaur. You're going to lose the Labyrinthine Recall and the Gore feature. We're going to give it new tainted blood. I want to. Okay, anyway. Get away. God damn it. <laughs> Every time the Crocolisk takes piercing or slashing damage, a spray of caustic blood spurts from the wound towards the attacker. This spray forms a 10-foot cone. A creature in the area must succeed on a DC-14 con save uh, against disease or be infected. The creature is poisoned until the disease is cured, and every hour that elapses, the target must repeat the saving throw or reduce its hit point maximum by 2d4. The disease is cured on a success. The target dies if the disease reduces the hit point maximum to zero. This reduction... To the target's hit point maximum lasts until the disease is cured. Yep. 
it's under my skin. It's under my skin. It's under my skin. Get it off. It's under my skin. <laughs> what do you guys think? How much coke did you have today? <clears throat> enough. <laughs> There's never enough. Uh, Arkinkoa or cocaine? <laughs> I did. I did something like this with a, a xenomorph build. I did. Yeah. It wasn't a disease though. Well, what's cool about this is you can totally avoid this feature. Yep. If you don't use slashing and piercing. Yeah. But what player's going to think, every time I stab it, it bleeds on me. Maybe I should hit it with a maul. <laughs> but I think that's a great opportunity for characters to kind of Get. give the opportunity of weapon switching in combat. In this edition, not very often. It needs to be more. They, Vulnerabilities, weaknesses, all are in... in uh, uh, because, like, in past editions, it came up way more. Like, yeah. like skeletons, for example, you had to use bludgeoning weapons to do full damage. Otherwise, you use piercing or slashing. You'll, do, you'll be getting half, because there's so many gaps. I was going to yeah. say, with this, uh, it will work with the way I installed the Xeno 2. Like, this is disease. And the other one, it's it's another way of making the player say, I should really be careful with what I'm doing here, because something bad's going to happen if I don't. And that is that they do a deck save. If they fail a save, they get acid splashed on them. And they have to roll a d20. If it's uh, 1 through 10, they lose 1 AC. Ooh. And once they lose uh, 3 or more, Brutal. their armor just breaks. Yep. So you kind of combined it with like the rust... Uh... Rust mechanic, right? Yeah. yeah, and then I learned about the rust monster. I was like, God oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I should just went with that. You know, there's one thing I'm actually amazed we didn't bring up. Oh, you smartass. <laughs> I love this. You see what Andrew said? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, fire damage to cauterize the wound to prevent acid blood. <laughs> that we did not mention, at least at some point during our main topic. And you can, you'll look at you Hakusho example when, when I mentioned this, but <laughs> there was one point where in, in the Destiny War storyline for the Avengers, Hawkeye ended up being cornered by a Time traveling creature, he's like, he's like, you're not worth my time. I'm going to aid you backwards until you're a single celled organism. And Hawkeye went, "Jokes on you! I used to be Goliath." <laughs> <laughs> so I became funny. fifty feet tall and smashed a guy. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it because he aged him backwards too when he still had ten barnacles in his bloodstream. That's fantastic. I love that. That's a, so. There's benefits <laughs> to stuff like that too. Like I can. So how about this? A, no, we're getting off gonna, topic. Yeah. All right, I'm going to age you back 10 years. Oh, please do. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot you can do, right? <laughs> yes, please. Here, old spell guy. Yeah, I can't read my spell book anymore. I can't see it. Ah, oh, you aged me to 50. Goes, Great. You are so fucked. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is a pretty simple monster. Uh, the goal was to focus it around um, forcing the change of weapons. And also yeah. disease. I like paladins that yeah. get in races, that, people that get to kind of shine for that feature that makes them immune. Ooh, so. character guys have a bad idea. You were a high power, power, powerful archmage, but you got aged backwards back to you when, when you're an apprentice, so you don't remember the stuff you did anymore. <laughs> I always like the idea of playing an old wizard who just forgets his stuff. <laughs> I did it with drawing spells out of a hat one time, thinking I'm casting one spell. Nope. It's oh, fucked oh. up to do to your party. Uh, all right, so that'll do it for our monster variant that we barely talked about, the Crocolis. Crocolis. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brandon, would you like to tell us about our encounter? <laughs> Guess what it's about. Uh, our encounter of the podcast is a leap through time. Ha ha ha. The characters are tasked with a with searching for a local archaeologist who has gone missing. Diana Fouche. A female... Co- <laughs> it could be Fouche. Bobby, Bobby Boucher. It's more like you made a noise like Foosh. <laughs> a female commoner is concerned for her husband. Uh, he went out seeking the truth behind his great grandfather's disappearance some years ago. Diana can share her husband uh, Doran's notes. A character that succeeds on a DC 13 intelligence investigation check confirms that he delved into the Hallelujah Mountains. 
Yes. Hallelujah. No, you have it. Hallelujah, but I couldn't remember how to spell it, so that's what I ended up with. Hallelujah. Uh, a character that succeeds on a DC-17 uh, intelligence history checks recalls reading a tome regarding the lore of the Hallelujah Mountains may contain a fountain that grants eternal life. To the local to locate the cave, the characters must succeed on a skill challenge, gaining five successful skill checks related to locating the cave before gaining three failures. Should they fail, they spend uh, ten days searching but never locate it and must start their search all over again. Every yeah. failed check should lead to some sort of encounter, wandering monsters or uh, other. The truth, however, is much more dangerous. The cave is a temporal distortion. While inside the cave, the outside... The cave is accelerated by 10,000 times. Holy shit. Yeah, that's about like uh, a year, an hour or something, I think is what I figured it was. Yeah. Um, so this is really interesting. Plot twist. He is his own great grandpa. <laughs> Plot twist. He never disappeared. He just went to the mountains and he thought he was only there for an hour when he was really there for Well, that's years. the thing. So, okay, so let, let's actually talk about this a little bit. So aside from it being a, a fincial, uh, a, a, essentially a search and rescue... What are the results of actually getting there? The characters get to there, they find the guy, but by the time they come out, everyone's dead. The world's changed. <laughs> so there much. is a movie that was on, I don't know if it was Netflix or something, uh, and it was about this t- thing where you went in, you could see like the days passing until they realized it wasn't days they were seeing, it was the the solstice, solstices changing. It was so fast outside, so, you know. And this is such an interesting idea and a great way to delve into, because you can change the accelerated time, right? Mm-hmm. You can make it days, you can make it weeks, you can make it years, whatever. Um, I went with 10,000 because I want the world to change a lot. Um, and that would be a great reason why the term, the fountain of youth came from. Hmm. Because if somebody walks in and walks out, years pass by, you know what I mean? So there's, because they're still uh. young, but time has passed. Um, so there's a lot you can play with, and I think this is a fun little a way to do it. If you really want to delve into it anymore, you can make it the lair of a sphinx. <laughs> You're welcome. That makes sense. Uh, the, the, the Hallelujah Mountains. Yeah, you, I totally... Never been to those? The fabled floating mountains of Pandora? Like, we've never been to Pandora till like, a few days ago. Like, of course we have it. Like, what the hell? That's, like, the dumbest question in that whole Avatar flick. I love that movie. Like, you never been there? Uh, no. No. I've never been here. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our encounter, A Leap Through Time. Whee! I'd like to point out really quick that this could be used for evil, too. Uh-huh. Um, because time is different, what are the benefits of speeding up time like that? If you're a robber, for <clears throat> instance, and you rob a, rob a, rob a, a, a bank or They're whatever. going to give up after so long. Yeah, you go into this thing and you figured out that time, you know, one day in there is, you know, a thousand days, you know, a few years. So. It'd be a shame if you come out and find out the gold coins you have were recirculated to something different. <laughs> but it's now like, they're even more we valuable. We don't use these anymore. Yeah, but they'd be more valuable as a treasure, wouldn't they? I suppose they would. I mean, they're not ancient coins, but. Uh, right. All right. Uh, moving on to our magic item. Ian, would you. I, that death blossom. I, I want to preface this with. Um, I'm working on a new thing for uh, patron rewards, uh, hopefully, that'll be like spell reagents um, and uh, spell components. And this is kind of a um, result of that. So, The Death Blossom only grows on desiccated grounds, place where necrotic magic has been used in the ritual to raise the dead. 
The black leaves with red spatterings are reminiscent of blood. That's a sexy-sounding flower. I know, it's wondrous and rare. When you cast the animate dead spell, or a similar spell and feature that creates an undead servant, you can add the death blossom to the material components of the spell. If you do, the creature summoned by the spell has their AC, attack bonus, damage, and saving throws increased by an amount equal to the caster's proficiency bonus. What do you guys think? I thought it was going to be equal to the caster's uh, spell slot that they used. No, no. It's like, holy shit! <laughs> That's still pretty good, though. Uh, this, is a, this is a pretty uh, potent thing. What, do you, what are you guys' thoughts? Material components don't get used. No, not very often. Right? Nah. So, do you think a magic item that's consumable like this that isn't a potion... That encourages the use of certain types of magic is appealing. I think it is. I think it's appealing that you can have a undead servant that doesn't just die willy nilly because you can add your proficiency to it. Yeah. And now this would the assumption is that this would stack on any other bonuses they might already have, right? Like what's the AC of a zombie? Like um, nine. <laughs> I don't know, eight or nine. I think for a zombie, yeah. Not much. Well, if your proficiency is plus three, that's still pretty good. Yeah. So this is something that also scales, right? So if you're at a higher level, it still is beneficial, which I think is really nice. What do you think, Ian? Yeah. I think a lot of players who dabble in necromancy are going to love this. A lot. Very cool. And, that, and that's kind of the hope. And even if it's not just a necromancer, it's any wizard that might have access to this sort of spell. Because I, I did write it so that it's targets animate the dead, but if there's similar spells, it would still apply to those, too. Delcinia, <laughs> I just started watching that. Hey, shush. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> uh, I, I'd already found out about a death, and I was like, God damn it! No! Anyways, uh, so the Death Blossom is a reagent uh, magical item that we are working with, so keep an eye out for more of these. Please let me know in the comments what you think of something that enhances spells like this that is consumable, um, because, you know, <laughs> it sounds just awesome in my mind. So, like like that'll like do it for our leaves. magic item. <laughs> our Dungeon Master it's tip okay. is a small economy. Brandon, would you like to tell us about that? A small economy. When adventurers swagger into town, they, <laughs> they carry more wealth than most families see in a lifetime. That's sad. That's actually true. Yep. I'll give you 500 gold as starting money. Like, oh, that's more than a commoner makes in like 20 years. Yep. Characters purchase expensive equipment such as weapons and armor and blithely... Blithely? Blithely. Pay top silver for rooms and meals unless a community is re regularly experiencing an influx of adventurers and their massive bags of gold and gems. So much wealth wrecks, wreaks, wreaks havoc. Yeah. Words. On a simple level, such wealth could either harm the town's economy or bolster it significantly. As a guideline, if the characters spend more than three times a community's gold piece limits, assume they, are, they impact the town's or village's economy with their largress, 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 they jack up the economy because they have so much. Like, oh wow, oh, they got right. all this gold. I mean, I'm gonna jack the price up of bread. Oh, that family just died because they starved. <laughs> and that's kind of the point, right? You know, you would think a bunch of money coming into an economy would be okay, but the increase can drive the change of prices of labor, um, uh, and other, you know, uh, us other services and commodity while. The few who got the adventurer's wealth can afford the spike. Nobody else really can, which also is likely to increase what? Bandit attacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, more more money in a small town is more likely to make it a target because 
those are liable to be easier targets overall against enemies, mm-hmm. right? Well, or, then maybe the players want to do that because then they can make money for taking the, getting rid of the bandits. <laughs> it's like, thanks for the gold. It's like, yeah, thank you for the business. <laughs> You'll see what I mean in about a month. <laughs> I don't even think it would take a month. Nope. Because if you're the player, you would just spread the word, hey, I hear this town's really rolling in uh, adventure or no. <laughs> you just find some random bandits. Hey, guess what? But see, the thing is, though, um, this is something that's not that doesn't really get considered at all really because when you think about it adventurers are just always oh here's some money here's some money here's some money here take a silver piece uh when they don't ever see that sort of thing damn i should have did that shit when you guys are doing dragon heist you you guys tried silvering a bunch of weapons with bars of silver i could totally had some rogue be like what the fuck is that (laughs) (laughs) somebody that peeping in on them but anyway just consider the effects of money that a huge Uh. influx of money (laughs) Um, a good example. Here's a good simple example. The, the what you say? The adventurer swagger into a tavern, and there's a small, you know, a small uh, teenage boy waiting tables, and they flip him a gold piece. And then later <laughs> that, that day, later that day, <laughs> the next day, the characters come out, and there's been a murder in the alley, and it's the kid that they gave the silver. Oh to. my god! And all you oh, can gold. see the remain the gold. Yep. All you can see is the remain of the clutch gold piece that was in its hands as it was ripped out. <laughs> oh shit! And it's a direct result of the carelessness of the adventurers. Man, I love that. Yeah. So next next time, if you're a player, you just be like, here you go. You shake their hand and do that whole. I palmed the coin thing. Like, there you go. Like, take it. Like, oh, look at that. They got more gold on them. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of fun to add in that. So just keep that in mind. Oh, yeah. uh, all right. That'll do it for our DM tip. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be a dick. dick. Or be a dick. Yeah. Uh, let's talk it's about late, brutal... Lately, it's been be a dick. Yeah. Well, I found that anything with optimization is considered being a dick, right? But honestly, I love <laughs> optimizers. So uh, kudos uh, to all of you oh, guys. Oh, yeah. I remember talking about Let's this. talk about the brutal biting. There are lots of different ways to deal damage in Dungeons and Dragons, right, Ian? Yep. But sometimes we just want to get the most out of a single feature. Have you ever wanted to do this? Yes. Yep. Oh, oh, Smite, you told me to remind you of that. Okay. And he's going to bring up a good <laughs> counterpoint later. Or not a counterpoint, but a, a talking point, and I like it. Uh, today we are going to be yes, discussing building a brutal biter. First, mm, we want to start with a lizard fault, Grace. To get access to the Bite Racial, which, so everyone knows, is a natural weapon. That's important. Which also counts as an unarmed strike for some reason. <laughs> yes. Um, but it, um, but counts for both, right? Which is important. Anyways, uh, this, 1D, this is 1d6 plus your strength modifier piercing damage. Next, we want to delve into the Fighter Champion. To give our bite an increased critical hit range, right? So now we're looking really good. We got a savage bite. Then we want to multi-class into Monk all the rest of the way to get Flurry of Blows, right? An extra attack and all that jazz. Because it's an a unarmed strike. Yep. This will allow us to tear into our foes <laughs> and ravage them like a, a, a hyena ravenously tearing into a dead carcass. Then we want to pick up the piercer feet. This will allow us to re-roll one, uh, one damage die a turn. This will help us increase the average damage of our bite attack. Now, enjoy watching the reaction on the adventuring part of members' faces as you put the savagery of a barbarian's rage to shame with your brutal throat bites, <laughs> arm ripping off, 
you know, uh, ripping their 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 flesh out of their their hearts out of their chest with your maw. I mean, it just is brutal. All right, Ian, let's hear it. Faerun buzzsaw. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just because it's a natural weapon, you can also use a paladin smite. <laughs> you can get holy teeth if you want, and I love it. But despite the fact that that's because of an unarmed strike, despite the fact that it was the kills of the nearest times, oh, you can't use smites for unarmed strike. I'm still salty about that. <laughs> Here, let me get some of that off your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> um, this obviously was totally designed. I think I heard Brendan's brain metal on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is totally meant to be very much just a savage creature. Um, that <laughs> fights, not so much one that uses weapons. And I think that this was a really fun build to do that with. Um, take it as you will. What do you think, Brandon? I mean, you pop the it's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's fun. And, you know, call him Char if you want. Yeah, I mean, I'm numb. God damn it. <laughs> Maybe even, uh, pick up, uh, uh, you could pick up, uh, uh, what's the, the, yeah. the smell, the spell feat that gives you a spell and a cantrip. Oh, uh, uh, magic initiate. Magic initiate. And now you can shoot out little tiny bolts of fire out of your mouth. He's trying to make a reference to Charmander. Oh, I wasn't, I, that was definitely. Well, it is now. It is Charmander. <laughs> can't fly, so it can't be Charizard. You can use Steel Tail. Yep. Attach a mace to your, yep. to your tail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is worth noting that the mini DM's house roll, yeah, the whole no sweating with unarmed strike thing, I've been doing that. Yeah. I do like that idea, <laughs> so there's more to it. You can uh, just kind of keep piling stuff on there. But I think the monk does a lot of that goodness. So, yep. All right, that'll do it for our player tip. Don't be a dick. Don't. Or Holy shit! Be a huge dick. That's the first time. I was trying. I, 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 my brain froze for a second because I was going to say something else. And, <laughs> and he got ahead of me. So yeah, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Um, brutal. I you. I stay where we usually go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got you. Well, I, my brain paused. Anyways, uh, before we close out, we always like to give away fat loot, don't we, Brandon? Fat loot's the RPG fat loot giveaway. Give yeah, away. let's do it. Into free the Feylands. Free loot. Free loot. Fifth edition. Unearthed spoils volume. Is that two? That's two. Volume yeah. two. Each volume of Honored Spoils is to, don't even, is to be roughly 20 to 30, 20 to 30 pages old, and packed with full-color art, lovingly created by Bob Gravenstein. 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 <laughs> illustrating different types of 5E compatible content uh, surrounding a central theme. Magic items, classes, and archetypes, magical spells, monsters, and NPCs, new ancestries, and short adventures. Support us on Patreon to receive our Unearthed Spoils digital magazine at a discount. That is www.patreon.com forward slash Grim Press. Can I just say, yeah. I love Grim Press's content. Uh, they do yeah. phenomenal work. If you've not picked up their content, please do. Um, even consider, you know, picking up uh, this one. So There's a link in our blog. Uh, we get a small kickback if you do do that. <laughs> Doo-doo. Yep. The, win- the winner today is Trevor Skur. <laughs> Trevor, if you enjoy your fat loots, make sure to take a precious moment of your time and leave them a review. If you didn't win... Have no fear. Head on over Aww. to CreekEnemy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. Aw, I love you too, Andrew. <laughs> you know who else makes great content? You all do. Um, hang on a second. Let's uh, let's blow that up on the board. Um, because we need to. Let's all soak that in. Smell that in, guys. <laughs> oh, oh that's so good. Oh, yeah. oh I'm, I'm allowed to do that. I don't think I'm allowed to do that on Twitch. <laughs> We're not.
Ah, Twitch. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you for your support and the kind words. We appreciate it. We are just about to put out a survey about the show slash podcast to help us collect some info on how our audience would like to see us improve. Please visit <laughs> HTTPS colon slash slash rebrand dot L-Y slash crit survey and take a couple of minutes to help us out. All participants will be entered to win a $25 DMs Guild gift certificate. Holy shit. Did you hear that? Join the survey. Yeah. Maybe get money. I, I wouldn't hate <laughs> if you spent all that money on our <laughs> <laughs> Or some of our affiliates, yeah. like Grim Press. I saw the time travel tunnel and came to remind you of the Horot Inevitables headed your way. Oh, crap. Those guys. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Uh, the Inevitables are, are monsters that basically, like, if you screw around with the uh, Fabric of the Universe too much, these, these monsters are going to go, hey. Knock it off. Oh, oh, fucking around time release. There was a there's a movie I saw written I think it was a written up based it was based on a Stephen uh, King book. Uh they had these little monsters that came and eat time and actually the past doesn't exist. It gets eaten. I forget what that was called. That's really good. Yeah. Anyways. Turns out you go in the past there's nothing there. <laughs> All right. Uh, you uh if you enjoy the show and you want to support us, visit us at CritAcademy.com. Check out our blog. We have a ton of great articles for you there. Yeah. And follow us on social media and leave us a review. Please yeah. leave us a review. We uh we release uh several blogs a week, so consider checking them out. Some are related to the show, some are just happy meanderings. Hey. Um some oh. are Advice for players and DMs, or both, or one, or the other. Either way, oh. they're great, because we write great content. All well, right. You do. <laughs> we do. We do, as a team. <laughs> we do. Uh, well, that'll do it for our show today. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your place sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Steinsgate. Why didn't you talk, say that earlier? Steingate? Do you have any idea how many series I could have mentioned? Yeah. Well, we only got a half God, hour. I didn't realize how much, how much time travel st- shit there is. There is, and we didn't even cover a fraction of it. No. <laughs> Back to the Future for the another. <laughs> the Back to the Future. We yeah, didn't even a, talk about that a one. It's a big-ass example, and we didn't mention it. <laughs> Doc All Brown, right. a disgraced nuclear physicist, is best friends with a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> that screams, call the police. <laughs>